Hey, Brian. Hey, Nam. So we just finished wrapping a recording with our first guest, your dad, David Chan. Yep. That went in places I didn't think it was going to, but it was also everything I expected it to be as well. It's the damnedest thing. I was going to say the exact same thing. That's exactly where I thought the conversation was going to go when you told me that was going to happen. And even when it happened, I was both surprised and shocked. Well, what part were you surprised by that? My dad speaks perfect English or, or that he managed to not say anything that was completely off color. Cause that's a part that surprised me. I was disappointed. He didn't go off color, but if I, you know, I think it's still shocking to me to hear an Asian man speak authentically and your dad, man, he, he's got stories and uh, he, he told very authentic stories. Uh, he's just a genuine person. and. You know, anybody who's listening could could absolutely hear it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to say he's never been afraid to speak his mind, especially growing up as kids. Whenever we did something wrong, well, again, in all fairness, it was more when I did something wrong, I broke something. It, it was kind of funny when he was telling the story about how his dad used to get upset with him because he'd get in fights, he'd like break something, you know, he, he would just get in trouble uh, and be kind of fearful of that. That reminded me of my own childhood when I would do the same thing and I would get in trouble for that. Um, so in so many ways, right. It's like, like father, like son. Um, but it was so, it was just a trip for me to hear it from his perspective. You are the nicer version of him without all of like the gruff he had to kind of formulate well my life was a little bit more cush man uh right but that was interesting to me because i don't know man like when we think about our dads we almost think of them as like gentler versions right i guess of who they really were as i do but there was a lot of times when he was talking i was like dude your your dad is a gangster (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he accidentally became yeah <laughs> that gangster uh he does carry oh, around a butcher's knife <laughs> <laughs> um so going through that so that you've now had both your parents on here and i've told you once and i'll tell you this to my dying day that's something i could never would never do so kudos to you to be able to do it and and on the episode itself we we were texting when your dad was talking about your grandpa and when your dad was talking about coming over, those are things you haven't heard of. They'll surprise you. I'm not going to give you a softball. Is Was there any moment or any stories that you heard on there where you're like, I regret doing this. I shouldn't have had him on. No, not at, not at any point do I regret having him on. And, and I'll say this, the reason why I felt that it was important to have the conversation with my dad and bring him on um, and also to record the conversation um, with my mom as well is that, I mean, I think for a lot of us, right, as Asians, you know, we don't have these conversations with our parents. So actually the moment that caught me the most off guard was the moment at the end when I asked my dad if he could say anything to his own father 
what would that one thing be? And my dad's response to that was, you know, that he would want to talk to his dad about communication, right? To communicate differently. And, you know, that in a lot of ways, like they didn't really understand him. And that one of the biggest, it, it really felt like one of the biggest regrets in my father's life is that he could never really develop that relationship with his father, with my grandfather, because of the fear that he had. And in so many ways, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. I'm, I'm grateful that I can build this relationship with my dad. Um, real shit. I was fearful of my dad as a kid too. And, you know, we felt like, or at least I felt like, you know, there were certain times when I could ask him questions. He was busy. He was a lot more strict. He even made reference to that. He was a little harsh on us as kids too. And I always knew that behind the tough exterior, there was a sensitive, kind, caring man that wanted to show love, but was still figuring out how exactly to show it while still instilling in us, um, you know, the right qualities, um, you know, making sure that we were studious, that we didn't get into trouble, like all that shit. And, but like ultimately it made us fearful and it was only now that I'm a little bit older. I think when I went through college and when I left um, to go to San Francisco, that my relationship with my dad really changed where he stopped seeing me as, you know, this young child, but really saw me as um, someone he could have a real conversation with someone, you know, where we can, have discourse and conversation and we can laugh about things and find a lot that we have in common. So I'm super grateful that I have that. And I think that it's, it's been really important for me to be able to not only have this conversation, but record it and to share these stories as well, because I don't know what I would be able to do without them. I would never want to have that regret where, you know, I felt like I couldn't or never had, these conversations never asked my parents these questions. And, and it's, it's hard, right? It's hard for a lot of other Asians, um, especially who don't or don't have that relationship with their, their mom and dad, you know, who maybe, you know, mom or dad may have passed early or, you know, in your case, man, like, you know, your dad who had a stroke and being only limited in, in how he can speak, right? Like that, that's gotta be hard, um, you know, on you not being able to have that same kind of relationship, you know? Yeah, it's weird, right? Because, you know, on the one hand, as you're going through that, it, it sounds so familiar to everybody who's listening, right? Like, that's just, that's like, that's part of masculinity, right? Is not being vulnerable, not being genuine, you know, you, you don't, you know, the dad doesn't hug their kid type of shit, which I think all goes away and, and dies with our generation. But with that being said, you know, something that's fairly unique to us in our very specific Asian American experience, right? Because definitely there's been Asian Americans that have been here for generations and generations. But for us, you know, our parents came here in different circumstances, but no less traumatic than each other, right? And so one of the things that was really cool to be able to hear your dad articulate was that experience itself. And that's something that, you know, 
as second generation Asian Americans, there's like this assumptive history we share that we never talk about, right? And it's always weird as fuck. And I've been struggling with it for like decades. I don't, I don't know how to think about the war. I don't know how to think about, I know, you know, I know how to think about immigration, but you know, like the, the stories your dad tells and the heartbreak and the struggle, I think it is important to actually be able to articulate it, to hear it, to your point, to weave it into like the history of who we are and what made us us. Right. Um, And yeah, it's, you know, on the one hand, not being able to hear my dad tell that story sucks, but it's not like because he can't say it, we don't know how traumatic it was or, you know, like the general kind of emotion of it all or the moment of it all. It's just, I think it's important. I think, I think uh, it, it is vitally important for everyone in our situation to as soon as they can go and capture those stories and i think not doing it is doing yourself a big disservice for sure right it's like it's our origin story right i mean i made a reference to the whiskey that i was drinking right uh legacy and you know chapter one and in so many ways right like chapter one starts with the journey of you know, my father, my family coming to the United States, um, you know, it's part of the legacy that I carry on about, of my parents. And, you know, for me, that like, that's what it means, right, to be able to hear that story, to be able to tell that to, you know, the kids that I may or may not have in the future. Um, but be, to be able to share that, you know, with my with my family and with the other people around me, that, you know, this is where I came from. This is the struggle that my dad had to go through. I mean, having to share a hot dog with his brothers in, uh, in the airport. Like, I don't think I've ever shared a hot dog with my brother, which is probably why I'm as fat as I am, but like, never mind, you know, not being barely being able to afford it. You know, there's, there's all these other stories that he didn't tell or hasn't told that I don't know about that is so much of a part of you know him growing up and and I think like there are parts of the conversation that wanted him to go a little bit deeper into and, and maybe that's why we bring him back or that's on an occasion that we do bring him back um, to talk to us but I mean there's just there's just all these stories about coming to America um, going to his first movie um, in the United States and not knowing any English like so there's these there's these like funny stories of the the true you know first generation the immigrant experience that you can try your best to capture them in words and in writing and and all that stuff but like it, to hear it from from the person or the source directly um, I think it's just there's just so much value in it and you know I mean we've we've only got so long to really be able to capture the stories uh, in in the the way that they are and the way that they're remembered best by our family and our parents. So I'm just, again, I'm just so grateful that I have the chance to do that. And that I also just hope that whoever is listening out there, that you take the chance to just ask some, ask some questions and listen to some stories. Yeah. And tell your stories. It's easier to tell your stories. So make sure you do it. Right. I think when I realized 
10 years ago when my dad got sick and I realized I had lost access to those stories at least. I made the decision that like, you know, I had just had my kids. And that was when I realized that like our story that we are passing along, that we have to pass along are of the utmost importance, right? Um, and I think maybe even without that, you know, we just wait. <laughs> we wait for the courage or the podcast or the end of the world to come so that, so that we can find the opportunity to do it. But um, yeah, I, mean, I, I would say if you have the courage, ask to listen to the story. If you don't have that courage, go tell your story uh, because it's worth, it's worth someone else listening to for sure. Um, two things I wanted to bring up that your dad covered one um, that I can't stop thinking about. And the other one, I can't stop talking about um, one. Uh, I can't, st I can't stop thinking about the struggle that there were a couple of times you tried to lead him into talking about how hurtful the racist kind of moments that he kind of encountered with. And I thought what was interesting was that like, it was almost like this is the American tax, right? We pay a federal tax, we pay state income tax and we deal with racist people. And he just almost couldn't be phased. And you and I both tried to tease some type of anger out of him and it just wasn't there. And, you know, a certain part of me expected it, but it's still hard to shake, right? I think that definitely was interesting to me. Yeah, man. I mean, I was trying my best to get him to tell a little bit about it and to share some of that experience. I, I just wanted to hear, you know, a point of compare or be able to create a point of comparison of what was it like then? You know, how has the world changed? Um, and again, for really for him to tell it in his perspective and his view. And I think for him, right, like, it, you're right. It is, he does kind of see it like a tax, right? Like a, this is just part of being in America. I'm, I'm foreign. I look the way that I am. You know, I'm in a, I'm placed in a location where there's not a lot of people that look like me. They don't really take the time to understand me, but you know, I got a, I got a family to feed. I got two kids. Um, I got to just do, you know, do work and not create a, a fuss. Um, when someone says something super racist to me, because at the end of the day, right, it's who's going to back him, who's going to defend him if something happens. And I think that we, on an early podcast, I think episode one, we talked about uh, the concept of hustling to survive and hustling to thrive, right? And I think in coming to America, in immigrating here, it's all about survival. You know, you're in survival mode. You're doing what you need, you can to get by, you know, get to school, go to work, do your thing. And you can't waste your energy and your time on, you know, fighting every fight because someone called you a chink. Yeah. I mean, I think why I can't stop thinking about it is because I think it, it stays true to us. Right. We, I think a lot of the times why we always talk about why we're so fortunate not because we are fortunate, we live amazing lives, um, but that we continue to write those same checks. You and I will talk about in private, and friends of mine and friends of ours will talk about in private about the type of shit we put up with, 
but I think the underlying kind of current of it all is that like we're saying we put up with it. We told yeah. kept it as part of what we are. We still are just writing those checks. I think that something unique about the moment we're going through right now is that, you know, a certain segment of at least black America and society itself is like, fuck these checks. You can't write enough checks, right? And for us, it's like these weird transgressions. It's not, we're dying over it, right? And it shouldn't take that is like the asshole in me that says as someone who consistently writes those checks, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't take that. And so again, I just, like I said, I just can't stop thinking about it. And so I'll, I'm glad he was able to share that. The other thing that I can't stop talking about is nothing in captures the immigrant hustle quite like stories about stealing fruit. <laughs> you, I just, I literally wanted to just get off that recording and just go steal some fucking fruit somewhere. And I wanted to call my dad. And if I, if my dad had full vocabulary and I called him, I wouldn't even ask him his story. The one thing I would have asked him is why the fuck did you end up stealing watermelons? <laughs> that's all I was thinking. When I was like, that's a great, why the fuck was he stealing watermelons? I don't fucking, I don't know. And I can't stop telling people kind of about that. I can't stop just thinking about like, that's the immigrant hustle, man. Right. It's, yeah, we'll bend, we'll break rules, we'll do what we can. To your point just now, we'll hustle, we'll survive. You know, of course we're going to fucking write those checks. Like, we're hustling. We're still in fruit, right? We're here. In all, in, and in all transparency, he has, they haven't changed a bit. We were in Hawaii, and we passed by, a, like, a mango grove on the, on the side of the highway, and, and they literally, they told me to stop, so they go steal some mangoes off the side of the highway. I did not stop. They were very upset with me for the rest of the trip. But like, I mean, they haven't changed a bit. No, my parents too. Even stroked out dad. If he, if he's walking down the street and he sees fruit hanging over the wall or a nice tree that he wants to grow in his backyard, he will graft a branch and a heartbeat and been like, this is our tree now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that that's, it's like one of the funniest things, man. Every kind of Asian uncle I've ever met has them stealing some fruit fucking stories. Um, and I guarantee you, if I, if I played that for my uncles growing up, they would have been like, how many lychees do you have to steal to make it worthwhile? We stole watermelons because you need like two. You know what I mean? Like everyone's got their weird hustle, but they're, they all just hustle. And so, of course you plop us to a land of opportunity and we're going to bring the bricks off these guys. Right? Like that is what we do. It's who we are for generations and generations. If you want to like, if you want to encapsulate what Asian Americans have brought in the last couple of generations, right? It's that we will steal your fucking fruit. What you thought was safe in yours and in your backyard you will blink and we will steal your fruit. We will get into your schools. We will take your fucking jobs. We will be the richest per capita people, right? And that is what we do. That's who we are. And I wish we were a lot of other things, but right now we cannot escape that part of our DNA, man. And I kind of love it, I think. It, it's such a, it's just such a perfect allegory for 
you know, the Asian American, the Asian experience, all of that, like bundled into one. It doesn't matter what fruit that you're stealing, right? The matter, the what matters is we are going to take it and yeah. it make and make it ours. Yeah, this is now our fruit. <laughs> and so, gonna, uh, and this is our school. <laughs> we're gonna tell, uh, and and we're gonna tell our family where we stole it from, so that they can go and steal your fruit too. Yeah. Um, this leads us into a ton of more conversations, uh, that I want to get into so bad, but I think it dilutes kind of the purpose of this recording in particular, uh, was that number one, uh, again, 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 you being able to have the conversation with your dad is the number one thing that I hope anybody understands how hard it is to do, to have that conversation, to capitalize on the opportunity is the most important thing secondary but also extremely important that your dad was able to have the conversation itself right um you're the one who created the space from that conversation and he stepped in and damn it did he deliver um it was an amazing conversation to hear it was really cool to hear and see you go through some of these stories for the first time ever it was great it's just always great to see any grown Asian American man, especially someone like your dad, to be able to be genuine, feel comfortable around people like us, right? And share these stories. And so I don't want to dilute the value of that. Um, so I, I definitely wanted to call that out. It, it was something I'll never forget. Um, I hope everyone kind of gets their own version of that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I appreciate it. And I mean, to no end, I appreciate my dad for being genuine, for being who he is. I mean, he can't be anything but genuine and the person that he is. And, and that's the best and worst part of him. Um, and, and I think that like, when it comes down to it, I'm gonna say it this time, fuck Amy Tan <laughs> for making us believe that there aren't capable brave, strong, compassionate Asian men like my father and for taking that, that away from generations and for us finally being able to have those kind of conversations and highlight the stories. Fuck you, Amy Tan. Fuck Amy Tan. Thank you. Notorious MSG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever the hell you find podcasts today. Subscribe and rate us or don't. Only one of us needs to feed his family.